0: Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. I am Steven Serta, joined as always by my guy, Rocky Magana. Kramer Sansone in the background, helping us keep this operation afloat. Rocky, um, it was a weird game. It, it was an ugly game uh, that we will absolutely get into. But the most important thing, Kansas City Chiefs walk away Monday night football at Arrowhead Stadium with the victory. 30 to 29 over the Las Vegas Raiders and they improved to 4 and 1 on the season. The Raiders fall to 1 4. I was questioning myself all day long thinking like I had too much faith in the Chiefs dominating this game and like there was too many things that like I was questionable about and, and wondering whether I was too over the top on board with the Kansas City Chiefs just dominating this football game. And it played out exactly the way my my fears were creeping in all day long ahead of Monday Night Football, but it worked out. The Chiefs won in a really entertaining game that was kind of is going to wind up having an asterisk because of some officiating calls and some bogus uh, decisions by the NFL referees that continue to be absolutely atrocious this season.
1: Oh, my gosh. The NFL has to get this right. That was hands down the worst call I've ever seen. That was worse than Derek Johnson against the Titans in the playoffs. Um, One question, Stephen, how can you rough the passer if you're the ball carrier and the passer is then on defense? (laughs) If you're the ball carrier, it is physically impossible for you to rough the passer. He stripped the ball, had it in his arms By the time he ever even landed on him, not to mention he braced his fall. That was the most garbage call I've ever seen in my life. The NFL has overcorrected once again, and the referees have got it. I mean, the NFL and the referees have to figure this out. The issue with the – I know that they implemented the new rules to protect the quarterback because of what happened with Tua. What happened with Tua, the problem wasn't with the plays themselves. The problem was with how the teams in the NFL handled the injuries. This is the most garbage thing I've ever seen. It shouldn't have been this close of a game. This is at least three points right here at the end of the half. I mean, the rest were horrible on both sides today. I mean, they they were just complete. It was a train wreck. One of the worst officiated games I've seen in a long time.
0: So this is where we have to start. And I want to dive into the nuts and bolts of this game because it did wind up being like a really entertaining Monday night football game. And it's something that's been plaguing the NFL this season Like there's been a lot of trash primetime games and the chiefs Raiders rivalry, Monday night football at Arrowhead stadium. Like it wound up being a really entertaining and fun football game to watch. But this play call, man, it's, uh, it's what we are seeing is the NFL and all of these teams across the league suffering the consequences of the Miami dolphins making a poor decision and totally disregarding concussion protocols and trotting their quarterback back out there when we all knew that he clearly had a concussion, right? Like that, that's the issue that we're seeing across the league right now. And we saw it happen yesterday in the Tampa Bay and Atlanta Falcons game where Grady Jarrett had as clean a sack as you're ever going to see on Tom Brady. And it was a game changing penalty call for no reason. And, you know, to put it simply, the Raiders were absolutely dominating the chiefs early in this game. Like, that there's no way of talking yourself out of that. They were dominating the Chiefs along the defensive line. The, the Chiefs' offensive line was totally overmatched early in this game. They were putting pressure on Mahomes on every single dropback. And it was a, a dominant performance by them early in the game. And the Chiefs' defense wasn't getting pressure on Derek Carr going against this offensive line that we know is just not very good, that has struggled to keep Carr protected all season long. And This was the game-changing play, right? And it wound up being pretty game-changing, but not game-changing in the way that it should have been because this is a third down. Huge play in the game. Chiefs trying to grab some momentum right before the half, get the ball back just after scoring their first touchdown in the game, and they could have gone back and tried to score again before the half to try to to get this thing closer. Chris Jones does everything that you're supposed to do when you're paying a defensive lineman as much money as he's making to sack quarterbacks – He sacks the quarterback, not only takes the football away from Derek Carr, but recovers it himself and creates a game-changing turnover that is then called roughing the passer. And uh, again, we're seeing the consequences of the Miami Dolphins mismanagement spread across the league right now, where we're going to see some major developments, I I think, here in the coming weeks for these rules and the way that this thing is being handled. We've already seen it with the concussion protocols, but... This just simply can't stand. Like I am all for player safety, but that is a game-changing play, especially for the NFL, a league where you're in bed with all the gambling books now. You're investing in them, you're partnering with all of them, you're advertising them all over the place. You can't have the referees changing games like this because this was a game-changing play for the Kansas City Chiefs that wound up going in favor of the Raiders. And I don't really know what else Chris Jones could have done here. You can see him on the replay in the background right now. Like he puts his arm down to try to brace from the fall to totally, you know, collapse all of his weight onto Derek Carr. There's nothing you can ask a defensive player to do. Who's going 90 miles per hour to hit a quarterback because that's what he's getting paid millions of dollars to do. There's nothing else you can ask Chris Jones to do in that moment than what he did. And he still drew a penalty somehow.
1: You have a human elephant who has another human elephant trying to stop him from getting to a guy. And then you have him hitting that guy full force and trying to slow himself down and not to mention he has the ball. By the time he touches the ground, you can't rough a guy if he's not on offense. And the second that there's a change of possession, you're no longer on offense. I mean, the the problem with this is that the NFL has to, they have to take action they have to take it immediately is because this is affecting the competition of the games and the, and the idea of fair play of where the best team wins. It's not that these, that these defensive players are going out and trying to, you know, clothesline a quarterback or, you know, take out their knees, you know, none of the stuff we just see like 10 years ago. This is, this is clean, fair play. That is getting overturned and is affecting the fair play competition of football and, and calling into question the integrity of the game. I mean, if the NFL is all about protecting the shield and all about protecting the integrity of the game, their their integrity is in shambles right now from an aspect of of, of rushing the passer. There is there is no consistency. There is there is no there's like players don't know what they can or cannot do. Um, I mean, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if you see defensive defensive tackles start to pick up quarterbacks, hold them like a baby, rock them a couple of times, and then gently lay them in the turf like they were their mother.
0: I mean, this is this is asinine. It's the it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. It is unbelievably stupid. Like uh, again, I am all about player safety. Uh, what the Dolphins did was. Absolute unbelievable mismanagement uh, of a player that is supposed to be like their franchise cornerstone and Tua Tonga Bailoa and allowing him to re-enter that game. And then now we've got all this stuff coming out this week about the way they mismanage it, and their team doctors are taking the full blame for all of it. But like I-, I don't believe for a second that the Miami Dolphins, like there wasn't some pressure from somebody in that organization to get Tua back in that football game. And now we're seeing the consequence of that across the entire NFL. But like, like I was saying. This was still, in a way, a game-changing play for the Kansas City Chiefs because, Rocky, man, that arrowhead crowd. I have never seen a live NFL audience change a game like that. Like, I have never seen the live NFL crowd at an NFL game change the game and impact the game in the way that that arrowhead crowd did tonight. After that call, everybody was screaming. Everybody was roaring at arrowhead stadium. It was, if they had the Guinness book of world records there tonight, I think they would have set another record for being the loudest stadium in the NFL because that's, but it was, it would have been with booze. It would have been with trash talking the referees and I actually kind of felt bad for Carl Jeffers at one point when he comes on the mic and his voice is cracking and he's clearly just terrified to make the wrong call because this crowd has, of 70-plus of thousand people has totally turned on him. It wound up still being the spark that the Chiefs needed. Like It wound up still being the game-changing play even though it was such a bogus call. I've never seen anything like it in an NFL game before.
1: Oh my gosh, I was watching the game with my friend here at the house. And after, after that call when I heard the booze come down, I looked at him. and I said, the refs are terrified. They're scared to make the wrong call at this point because I like, if they make another terrible call like that, there might be some fans that rush the field at this point. Like it, like, like Arrowhead was angry, you know, at that call. And rightfully so. No, obviously we would never condone any fans ever do anything like that. You know, but at the same time, like you could tell that, like that, that the referees felt the palpable anger of the crowd, and I think it affected the way they called the rest of the game. I mean, you saw them come out right after halftime, and they uh, and they huddled together, right? You know, to make sure that they they got the call right. They actually ended up getting the call wrong, but it benefited us. So, you know, I'm not going to argue too much about it. I feel like they owed us one. Um, but at the end of the day hats off to you chief's kingdom and all the fans at arrowhead you guys brought it you you made them you made them feel uncomfortable you made the opposing team feel uncomfortable you made the referees feel uncomfortable when they didn't do their job and you brought the heat you brought the anger and it was impressive
0: and i we are very proud of you so it was the wake-up call that they absolutely needed um you know it didn't come the way that you normally expect to get it, uh, but it worked out in, in an incredible way because they finally turned it on. And you you saw everybody on that chief sideline get pissed off, and you saw how upset everybody was about that call. And it wound up being the game-changing play, even though it didn't actually go on the stat sheet as a sack and, and force fumble for Chris Jones. Like,
1: oh my gosh. <laughs> did, did you see Andy Reid? I've never seen Andy no. Reid that that angry in my life. I looked at my friend and I said,
0: did Andy Reed drink a diet Coke today? Cause he is feisty (laughs) over there. That was the next thing that I wanted to mention was, you know, Andy Reed, it was being reported from everybody at Arrowhead covering the game. Our our guy, uh, Pete Sweeney, who's there on the ground right now covering the post game. It was reported that like Andy Reed, once they went into the halftime locker room and, and by the way, Matthew, Wright, We'll get to him in a little bit. I know he struggled, but him drilling that 59 yard field goal right before half, like he deserves some credit for that. But Andy Reed, before he heads to the locker room, heads to the tunnel uh, after, you know, the clock winds down to zero in the first half, Andy Reed still stuck around and was just jawing with the referees. And Andy Reed's not that kind of guy. Like there's some coaches in the NFL that you expect that from Andy Reed's usually not that guy. Like Andy Reed will get on you a little bit. And we've seen him get mad before. I've never seen Andy Reed as mad as he was after that call just to illustrate how absurd it was and how ridiculous it was. And then for that to even extend at the halftime break where Andy Reed's like, no, I'm not letting that go. You're I'm going to stop you right now. And you're going to talk to me. And then the arrowhead crowd, just carried that energy into the second half man it was it was unbelievable it's one of the games where I regret not being there I I regret not being at Arrowhead Stadium tonight because I have never seen a a crowd impact a, a game in the way that they did tonight and you could feel it coming through your television for everybody that's just sitting around watching it at home it was It was unbelievable. Like it was an incredible performance from the Arrowhead crowd tonight for the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yeah, it was bar none one of the top three like like Arrowhead crowd moments. I think you know one of them being when uh, when 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 John Elway had back to back you know delayed games because he couldn't hear the play call and the referees come over the announcer and tell the crowd to please quiet down. So John Elway can hear the play that's in the top three, but this by far, this, this probably even tops that because of the consistency and the length of time of the, of the sound and the noise. And on, at home on the TV, you could just hear it reverberating through the TV screen. Anytime the referee turned on the microphone, you just heard a rain of booze poured down. And yeah, I mean, like, but it's a perfect point. Like, Andy Reed is not that guy. And for Andy Reid to get to that point, then you know that it has to be complete and total BS.
0: So there's a clip going around on Twitter right now, and I want to make sure to mention it because I'm sure a lot of people are going to be talking about it. But Devontae Adams, when he was walking off the field after this game, clearly frustrated after the Raiders lose uh shoved like a sideline worker it looks like he's holding some kind of mic or, or a camera person somebody who's probably a part of the television crew just trying to do his job Devonte adams just unpromptly shoves him because he walks into his way um i just think that illustrates how ugly this game was also getting on the field and, and getting and how nasty this was and how You know, we we had some conversations this week about, like, does this rivalry really have any juice anymore? Like, Mahomes just owns the Raiders, and he just dominates them. And Devontae Adams is a guy that went to Las Vegas to win, and they had high expectations for the season. Now, through five weeks, they're sitting at one and four, and and they just had a brutal loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, where they were up early in the game, and Devontae Adams had a huge game. So I I understand why he's upset. You certainly can't do that, but that kind of illustrates – the the temperament that we were seeing from the players too on the field like we saw max crosby was getting after patrick mahomes and patrick mahomes who is not normally a trash tracker like we see him having fun and kind of you know cracking jokes and doing that stuff patrick mahomes is not usually the guy that's like come fight me on the sideline like come find me on the sideline and we saw him doing that tonight to max crosby in this raiders defense like It it could have gotten a little bit uglier on the field tonight than it actually did, but there was a lot of trash talk. There was a lot of of jawing going on during this game, and I think that just further illustrates, like, the Arrowhead crowd. Just that that penalty call, like, there was frustration on on both sides of the ball, and I mean, it it made for an entertaining football game. I'll, I'll say that.
1: Well yeah, and I think that there was a couple of things that played into it was like a perfect storm but with the Chiefs coming out flat. There was a lot of almost like a sense of dread early in the game of oh god, here's Indianapolis all over again. We the team's get, can't can't come out starting slow, they got to turn it on and then they turn it on and they get a game-changing play and the refs just snatch it away from you and at that point, you know, it was it was just like the ultimate frustration just just pouring over on 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 all parties, you know, because the Raiders are all fired up because they think that they're going to come into Arrowhead and finally get a victory, and and then the Chiefs are, are 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 mad because they didn't come out and perform how they wanted to how they wanted to right off the bat, and then the fans, of course, are watching this whole thing and they were expecting a nice fun night of Arrowhead of Patrick Mahomes stomping on the Raiders like they deserve and like we're accustomed to, and you know the one question I have. About the Max Crosby, though the Max Crosby and Patrick Mahomes interaction, though, is what did Max Crosby Crosby say? Was it worse than what Chris Jones said? And if not, then why didn't why did Max Crosby get a flag for getting in the face of a of a quarterback? There were multiple times that Patrick Mahomes was hit pretty hard after the throw today, and we didn't get a single rough in the passer call. And it seems to be a, a tendency in the league that there is no consistency that certain quarterbacks are protected more than other quarterbacks based on the style of their play. And it seems like players who are use their legs to extend plays don't get the same protection that other quarterbacks who don't have that capability do. And it's, yeah. it's not fair and it's, and it needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah. And it's a problem across the league. Some of this stuff isn't going to get addressed I- until the off season when they go to these owners meetings and have, and vote on these rule changes and things like that. But I would not be shocked if we get an in-season, some kind of update to this roughing the passer call, uh, especially with the way that they hurried up and changed the NFL concussion protocol. It's like they can do that in certain circumstances, but let's actually get into the game. Let's actually get into the things that we saw from the Kansas City Chiefs tonight, the the good and the bad, because there, there was plenty of all of it on, on both sides of the ball, and we already mentioned how much they were struggling early on in the football game, and the defense was struggling too. But the highlight offensively for the Kansas City Chiefs tonight is Travis Kelsey. Uh, first three touchdown game of his NFL career, also tacked on another one. So, first four touchdown game of Travis Kelsey's career, which I believe was a record for most touchdown passes caught by a tight end in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. Uh, weird stat line seven receptions, 25 yards. Four touchdowns, but you'll absolutely take it. His role in the red zone this season has been, I, I think, one of the more surprising things, just because it's not necessarily always been Travis Kelsey's thing. Like, he's never always been that guy that Mahomes looks for in the red zone for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think it highlights some of the worries that we probably have about this wide receiver group that they know Mahomes just knows, I got to go to my Hall of Famer. We get, inside, we get inside the 20, we get, we get inside the 10, I got to go to my Hall of Famer because I don't necessarily trust all these other guys.
1: Well, and it wasn't just the most tight ends by a Chiefs tight end, you know, in the history of football. That's the most touchdowns by a tight end in a football game in the NFL since 1985 when Jimmy Giles, you know, caught four <laughs> touchdowns, you know, uh, for, for Tampa Bay. And it's the second most in the history of the NFL. There's only there's only three guys besides Kelsey who have caught four touchdowns in a game or more. And Kellen Winslow Sr. has the record with five that he did back in 1981. And then and then it's Giles and then Mike Dicka is the other guy who did it. And other than that, this is one of the greatest touchdown performances by a tight end in the history of the NFL. Yeah, the yards weren't there, but I mean, that's okay, man. You you pay you. You pay tight ends to score touchdowns, you know? And, and Kelsey and Mahomes in the red zone, you know, they just, they were locked in and they were determined. And I think they were angry and they were mad. And I think, especially Kelsey, when he, when he, when with the Indianapolis game, when they lost, he kind of really wore, really wore that one on his shoulders. And I think that now that anytime he's in the end zone, especially in the game where they're down, he's, or in the red zone, I think that he is like, a man on fire like there's no way you're going to keep him out of the end zone or he's not going to make the play given the opportunity which is going to bode well for the Chiefs moving forward it means that there's going to be probably going to be a, a lot more touchdowns for Travis Kelsey this season
0: so that was the good tonight and yeah Travis Kelsey was incredible didn't have a huge yardage total but came up uh, huge and every moment where the Chiefs absolutely needed it Travis Kelsey was there for Patrick Mahomes so Hats off to Travis Kelsey. He put on a show tonight for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I I do think it, again, highlights some of the worries about this wide receiver group. And I know Marquez Valdez-Scantling had an impressive game tonight. It was by far his biggest performance as a Kansas City Chief. McCall Hardman had some nice plays and some big plays down the stretch for them. He's still clearly battling through that heel injury. That's been bothering him for a few weeks now. And and he, he came up slow on a couple of plays, had to go to the sideline, get worked on for a second, and then came back into the football game. He had a couple of big plays, but you know, at the end of the game where it's third and three, you have a chance to try to get a first down and try to, you know, put yourself in a position to seal this football game up by one point after the Raiders chose to go for two, which I don't disagree with despite the criticism that the Raiders are taking right now. Like you, you go for the win when you can, because you don't know if you're going to get another opportunity to do that. I I never disagree with that. Despite, uh, you know, my small understanding uh, of analytical football, I I will always agree with that approach to the football game, but the Chiefs have an opportunity to try to seal this thing. I don't love the play call to McColl Hardman. It wasn't a great throw by Patrick Mahomes. But I, I think this game still further highlighted, despite the fact that you got a good performance from MVS, despite the fact that you got a good performance from McColl Hardman. Man, they still just don't have a reliable wide receiver that you can bank on, that, that can be that guy in those closing game moments where, it's third and three, I need this dude to be open because I know they're going to put three guys on Travis Kelsey in this situation because he's always my go-to in these key moments of the game. And we still haven't seen that guy step up. Sky Moore got, you know, worked in a little bit, but it seems like he's still a a long way away from from being a significant playmaker for this offense. And I'm starting to get worried about the wide receivers. Like, I am legitimately starting to feel like their group of pass catchers is a red flag because I don't feel like they've through five weeks now, even sitting at four and one, you're getting ready to face one of the best teams in football next week in the Buffalo bills. And I don't know if the chiefs have the personnel to truly keep up with the team of that caliber right now on the offensive side of the ball.
1: No, they don't. I don't, I mean, as far as wide receivers go, they don't juju made a couple of nice catches today, which was a nice, which was nice to see. Um, MVS and Mahomes for a second week, straight second straight week. They um they, they they linked up for a couple of plays, but then you saw MVS let another one go straight through his hands again. And it just seems to be a concentration thing, it's not a skill thing with MVS, it has to be a concentration thing. He just has too many drops, and th- like you said, and then third and three like, in what universe, when you're thinking game on the line. Third and three have to get a first down. I'm throwing the ball to McCole Hardman. Like that's that never enters anybody's mind. He's not that guy, and nor should he be. And I like I feel like he ran the route wrong when I looked at it. It looked like he cut it off too short. and Mahomes was expecting him to stretch it further to the corner and he kind of cut it underneath. Um, but nonetheless, like he's not reliable like that. Like that's not he's not that guy, he's not the guy who's gonna do that. And the Chiefs haven't ever used him in that way. You know, in the past, they've, they, he's never been that, that, that move the chains third down guy. And so the Chiefs have to find, find that guy because they don't have him right now. And whether it's going to be in through addition or somebody stepping up, we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, the later the season gets, the more crucial having somebody like that's going to be.
0: Yeah. And, I think it, it's a question we still don't have an answer to. And, you know, we'll see as Sky Moore gets more opportunities as the season goes on. Maybe he can be that guy. But this was what I was worried about heading into the season. Travis Kelsey is playing as good as he's ever played in his NFL career. But once we start getting down the stretch and you're playing these teams that you know you're going to see come playoff time, like, I don't know who the reliable guy still is out in this group of pass catchers through five weeks of the NFL season. And it is concerning for the offense as a whole, but I want to move to the defense. And uh, by the way, if you're in the comments, make sure you use hashtag AP rapid reaction show. If you want to get to any observations or questions or whatever, we'll try to get to them at the end of the show. Um, and make sure if you are listening on the podcast that you stick around afterwards. We'll have all the post game press conferences for you immediately following the show. Andy Reid is speaking with the media right now. And early in the football game, defensive lineman Turk Wharton was carted to the locker room. Andy Reid confirmed at the podium after the game that Turk Wharton did, in fact, tear his ACL. Uh, unfortunately, his season is over for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's, it's a big loss. I, I think Turk Wharton is a very strong rotational piece along the interior of that defensive line who's shown some flashes for them. Um, and, and it's a bummer for a young player who was really carving out a role for himself in, in this unit. But... It is along a defensive line where the Chiefs have some depth, but it's it, it's something you always hate to see for any player in the NFL. It, it's really a, a bummer for a guy who has really shown some improvement so far during his time with the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a tough break. I mean, he's been a productive player for the Chiefs this year. He, I mean, I really like Turk in the run game. And, I mean, I don't know. You don't, I mean, the Chiefs didn't play good run defense today, period, but – I mean they were playing pretty good run defense early on before he went out before he went out and got injured. So I mean it's going to be tough. I mean they're going to have to find an answer and find a way to to fill his snaps, you know, productively. Um it's just it's just sad because he is a guy who was who's not ever been a top of the roster guy, who's always kind of fought his way onto the onto this team and kind of earned his bread week in week out, which is kind of gutty play. And so to see him go out like that, you never expect like to see a guy like that get hurt, you know, so, you know, hope he heals up fast, you know, we're excited to see him next year.
0: Yeah, it's an absolute bummer uh, wishing Turk Orton nothing but the best and, you know, hope he it gets back and is ready for a chief training camp next season and, and comes back better than ever um, sticking with the defense. I want to highlight something here that, you know, we were talking in the show and BK group chat about during the game. It's actually something that we talked about on this week's show on the Arrowhead pride podcast network. If you haven't listened, you should absolutely go back and check it out. Um, Ron brought up. Maybe they should just put Legereus Sneed on Devonte Adams, because we were a little bit worried about the cornerback tandem of Jalen Watson and Rashad Fenton. And listen you've gotten everything you could ever hope to get out of Jalen Watson this season. I don't care if Jalen Watson gives up touchdowns. He's a rookie seventh round pick and the plays that he's made ha- have more than made up for, for the ones that he hasn't because of his status and where he's coming from in the competition that he is facing right now and the situation that he's been thrust into in this Kansas City Chiefs secondary, but Devonte Adams Absolutely shredded the Chiefs, and I think he only wound up with what three catches in the game. Wound up having three catches, like it's like a Gabriel Davis performance from yesterday, where Devonte Adams only had three catches. So you think, oh, three catches, Devonte Adams, that's fine, but it wound up going for like 124 yards and two touchdowns because he just absolutely smoked you deep down the field. And I'm starting to really worry about this secondary. Rashad Fenton is. I think a fine NFL cornerback, but Rashad Fenton is a fine NFL cornerback when he's your third cornerback, when he's not the guy that you have to rely on to be out there on an Island going against the team's number one wide receiver and Devonte Adams, no matter how you want to rank him, there's a lot of really good wide receivers in the NFL, but Devonte Adams is going to be top three on virtually every list you try to make because he, he's just that damn good. And Rashad Fenton has no business being on an island trying to slow down Devonte Adams. Jalen Watson doesn't either. But to Spags' credit, he did adjust during the game and did put Logarius Sneed up on Devonte Adams, and so that's why where we saw him kind of go quiet in the middle of the game until he had that late fourth quarter long touchdown pass from Derek Carr. That was you know a, a beautiful pass from Derek Carr, but. I need to see the Chiefs do more of that because I know Spags loves to put these cornerbacks out on an island until they get Trent McDuffie back. They just don't have the personnel for it cuz Rashad Fenton can't be that guy. He he's become a liability for it for your secondary week in and week out now. I mean, Rashad Fenton is a slot cornerback. I don't it,
1: he has no business playing man coverage on the outside especially against a wide receiver of Devontae Adams caliber, I mean, to his defense, you're setting him up to fail. That's a battle that he's going to lose every single time. That's a battle that Jalen Watson's going to lose every time. That's a battle that Jalen Ramsey's going to lose 50% of the time. You know, I mean, like the cornerback is one of the hardest positions to play in the NFL because it's so reactionary. And then you put a guy who is not a top flight talent against one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, Devontae Adams only had a, only had 3 receptions and he did have 124 yards today, but he also had another 100 yards and penalties that he that he that he generated, you know, he was a problem, you know, across the board and right now the Jerry Sneed is hands down your best cornerback and I know you like to blitz him. I know you like to play him in the slot. I know you like to move him around. But don't overthink it, bags. Like, at some point, put your best player on their best player and then give them help over the top, especially in a game where you know Hunter Renfro is not the guy who's going to stretch the field. Mac Hollins is having trouble holding on to the ball, and Darren Waller is out with an injury. Devontae Adams is really all they had in this game. You take him away, and you take away – their offense, and you make them one-dimensional where they just have to count on Brandon Jacobs to run the ball. So why not put your best defensive back on him and then give him help over the top? I mean, it makes no sense. And you talked about the Jarius Sneed kind of manning Devontae Adams in the middle of the game, and that was awesome. Until the end of the game, And you took the Jarius Sneed <laughs> off of Devontae Adams. No. He got a touchdown, and then he I- almost – He almost won the game.
0: So I want to talk about that because I think that Spags has actually been really good this season. Like I think Spags has been kind of forced into the situation that he's not normally comfortable in where he's got to play all these young guys. And we, we know Spags similar to Andy likes to bring them along slow and give them up an opportunity to really understand the defense before he really puts a lot on their plate this season. He didn't really have a chance to do that. Like he just, you got to put the bodies that you have out there and hope for the best and I think that Spags for the most part this season has actually called really good games, has actually been a really good defensive coordinator this year. But you mentioned it, that touchdown to Devontae Adams late in the game. It was Jalen Watson. And it was it was a right coverage to his credit. Like Brian Cook also was supposed to have the help over the top on Devontae Adams on that play call. I just don't understand why, in that situation, with the game on the line, you need to stop. Why do you have two rookie players on Devontae Adams? Why is Jalen Watson and Brian Cook, the two that you trust to guard Devontae Adams in that situation? And Adams just blew right past him. And Derek Carr dropped again, a a very, very beautiful pass that wound up going for a touchdown. Like it, it just is what it is, but it was like, seed was doing so well. Why did we do that? Why did we change it up right there? Spags? Like what was going on? Like if it would have
1: been um, LeJarius Sneed and Justin Reed on Devontae Adams in that situation, that's the perfect call. Like you had the right coverage, like you said, you just had the wrong personnel. Like, like Spags, like like I think. Just sometimes he just overthinks it so much, and and he's his own worst enemy at times. And you know, football is a complex game, but it's not as complex as. As sometimes as he makes it, you know, I mean, like there, there's only a certain number of zones on the football field, and only a certain number of places that a player can go, and you know that Devonte in those situations, Devonte Adams isn't going to be the guy who's running out in the flats. Like they're not ever going to send Devontae Adams out in the flats. They're going to stretch the field with him and try to push the ball downfield. Hunter Renfro is going to be their underneath guy, so you you, you don't got to worry about Devonte Adams breaking anything off short on you okay so then so then put your best
0: guy on him and keep him in front of you and go
1: stride for stride with him and limit his damage
0: and and you mentioned it and waller basically getting no run in this game like he left early in the first quarter with a hamstring injury and did not return so he had no impact on this game at all and i I think that was key in spags actually making the commitment to move legerius need to Devontae adams because If Waller was still in the game and played a a full game for the Raiders, I don't think there's any circumstance where Spags would have done that. I I don't think he would have even considered taking LeJarrius Sneed off of Darren Waller because Darren Waller runs so much from the slot. So I, I don't think that he would have done that. And so it worked in the Chiefs' favor that Waller went down early in the football game and had to leave with that injury because then Spags was willing to adjust and put Snead on Devontae Adams because Jerry Snead is just their best corner right now. (laughs) Like it's pretty plain and simple. Like he is their best playmaking corner. And again, Jalen Watson is giving you a lot, but you're also asking a lot out of a rookie seventh round pick. And I, I think we had higher expectations for Rashad Fenton after the way that he's played over the last couple of years. But it's pretty clear that Rashad Fenton is a guy who can play well for your defense and can be an impact player when he's not the guy who is tasked with guarding the opposing team's number one pass catcher. Like he is a good cleanup guy who can contain all of the other guys who aren't Devonte Adams. He just can't be that guy who's left alone on an Island with Devonte Adams, but man, what a football game, whatever chiefs win. Rocky arrowhead was absolutely insane tonight. Uh, they walk away with the victory 30 to 29, Improved to four and one on the season ahead of next week's absolutely massive AFC showdown against the Buffalo Bills at home. That's going to be another monster game. But we've got a lot of things to get to uh, from you guys uh, and your reactions during the show. Again, if you want to comment before we get out of here, you can hashtag AP rapid reaction. Um, Chiefs could really use a wide receiver, OBJ. I hope Chiefs can sign him when he's healthy. I would definitely improve the wide receiver core. I'm not against that. OBJ is kind of doing this whole tour right now where he's just visiting NFL teams and taking his time and deciding, you know, who he wants to sign with and where he wants to go. And he is coming off of an ACL tear that he suffered in the Super Bowl. So, I have no idea where he's at in his recovery right now. He was never going to be ready for the start of the regular season, but he could wind up being a, a guy who's available that signs in the back half of the season with the contender. And, you know, when he was with the Rams last season, late in the year, like he was an impact player for them. He's not the Odell Beckham that, you know, we're used to seeing where he is a, a total game breaking game changing wide receiver anymore. He's just not that dude, but he's still a solid NFL wide receiver. And yeah, I mean, the chiefs don't have a lot of cap space, but if they could find a way to do it late in the season and OBJ is healthy, it's something I would at least take a look at, especially if these wide receivers don't improve anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the, the question is at what price, right? You know, you, you can't sign OBJ past this year. He's a guy with a uh, back-to-back, you know, is it back-to-back injuries and, and back-to-back seasons. And he, If you give him anything longer than this year, then you're basically looking at Sammy Watkins 2.0, which even though playoff Sammy was great for one year, we kind of paid for it on the back end of that contract. So you can't sign OBJ past this year. And so the question is, is there going to be another team that's going to overpay to get OBJ on their team? Not necessarily past this year, but the, but just beyond what the Chiefs can afford to pay for this year, where the Chiefs would have to add on an additional year in order to make a competitive offer, right? So I, I, for the right price, sure, but I think that it's a long shot that that the Chiefs are able to make it happen. I think Brett Veach would really like to make it happen though, because I think he's an OBJ fan.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I think it just depends on his health and you know who who he's seriously talking to. I don't think he's seriously talking to any team right now because um, I don't know that he's hundred percent healthy. But he will probably sign somewhere uh, later in the season. I just don't know if the Kansas Chiefs are going to be able to work something out there. Uh, next question. Not going to lie, Juju has been a big letdown so far this season. I mean, it just depends on what your expectations were for Juju. I know during training camp, we were we were kind of talking him up and kind of falling in love with the training camp hype because the connection he had with Patrick Mahomes. But right now, Juju Smith-Schuster looks like the same guy he has in Pittsburgh the last couple of years. He is a decent, chain-moving, possession-wide receiver who just does not have explosion anymore in his game. I don't know if it's an injury thing. I don't know why he was so explosive early on in his career in in Pittsburgh. And he just doesn't seem like he is that guy now, but he's always kind of been like an exclusively slot wide receiver. And the Kansas city chiefs are asking him to do a lot more than that this season. And I just don't think that he's the guy for that. Like I, he's, he's just a chain moving possession wide receiver who can make some strong contested catches in traffic here and there. But He's just not a game breaker. And so if you were expecting him to get a game breaker, you were always going to be let down, but I was never really expecting that from Juju Smith Schuster. He's basically what I expected him to be for the most part.
1: I thought Juju played admirably well, considering that he was coming into this game with a hurt hamstring. I thought he moved pretty well, considering his injury. He made some tough catches today. Um, Juju's that guy, like you said, he's going to get you eight to 13 yards across the middle and he's going to make tough catches and he's not going to get a lot after the catch. Um, Juju Smith Schuster right now is kind of like a, a younger Jarvis Landry, you know, to an extent. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a superstar by any means. And he's not going to be a superstar. And so I think that, you know, maybe some chiefs fans thought that they were going to get a wide receiver one in Juju Smith Schuster. And he's, he's not a wide receiver one, you know, in the traditional sense, but he is a solid quality receiving piece, you know, like you said, though, he's just, he's not that explosive guy.
0: Next question. Thoughts on punting on fourth down and giving the Raiders the ball versus our defense that struggled tonight. Um, I don't like it. I'm not surprised. Uh, Andy's just not really super aggressive when it comes to that stuff. I will, I will say one, one thing that I brought up tonight and we've talked about this a little bit before Rocky Andy Reid absolutely drives me crazy before halftimes because he never uses his timeouts under any circumstance. It doesn't matter what the game situation is. And, you know, after the bogus Chris Jones roughing the passer call and, and the Raiders drive down and they, I, I think they got another field goal out, out of the series. Andy Reed could have started burning timeouts there to try to conserve a little bit more clock. And I, I get heat of the moment in the game. You're frustrated and you're annoyed with that, and you're fr- and you're angry that that bogus call happened. And you know, and then Patrick Mahomes they get the ball back. I think there was like 20 seconds left, and thankfully yeah. you have Mahomes, and Mahomes got you into field goal range, and Matthew Wright hits that 59 yard field goal. So you feel a little bit better about it going into the break. But that's a huge issue with Andy. It's always been an issue with Andy. He doesn't conserve the clock before halftime to try to get scores, which. We saw a couple of weeks ago when Mahomes got frustrated with Eric Bienemy because they decided to run the ball and run the clock out. Mahomes said, no, I want to score before half. Like, what are we doing? Like, that's just Andy Reid. Like, he is not going to be a, a super heavy, analytical-minded head coach and play caller. He's never been that guy. Like, that's not who he is. He uses it to a certain extent, but Andy Reid is one of the most creative offensive play callers that we've ever seen. So more often than not, he's going to trust his intuition over the analytics. And so I don't blame him for that. He's had a lot of success doing it, but it pops up every now and then where Andy gets a little bit too conservative. And thankfully it just didn't bite the chiefs tonight because it could have seriously cost them the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the thing that really, I kind of, it really gets on my nerves about Andy Reid beyond the, the not using his timeouts and letting the clock run down is he's one of the most creative play callers in the world. Until it's third and short, and then he seems to just call the wrong play. Like he at that point, he just overthinks it. It's like he he knows he knows what play to call at every single down and distance, except for third and three or less. Like he's gonna try to like take that shot to McCole Hardman. Like that was a that was a terrible play call. Like there was no reason for that. And then if you're gonna be one of the most creative play callers in the world, then go for it on fourth down. You got the best quarterback in the world. You're supposed to be one of the best play callers in the world. Put the ball in the hands of the guy who's going to win you the game, which is Patrick Mahomes. I would take my chances with the ball on Patrick Mahomes' hands to make a play over trusting the defense to get a stop every single day of the week. Like I I mean, you have Mahomes for a reason. Like there's like I would I would go for it on fourth down so much more often than the Chiefs do
0: yeah it's you have patrick mahomes it makes all the sense in the world you have the ultimate game-changing player who has proved over and over again that he can make miraculous things happen even when the play breaks down and you leave things on the table when you choose not to attack it that way and that's something andy Reid struggled with his entire career he's never been an overly aggressive coach when it comes to that stuff and so it's not going to change anytime soon it's I was annoyed by it, but it's something you just have to live with because that's who Andy is as a play caller and as a head coach at this point. So he's not going to change, not for any of us analytics nerds out there. Like, we, we just know who Andy Reid is at this point. But, again, can't say Chiefs win. Uh, 30 to 29 improved to four and one on the regular season Head into next week against a massive game against the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and, and co coming to Kansas city looked really good this weekend themselves. So it's going to be a massive game at Arrowhead stadium. If you're listening on the podcast page, please make sure you stick around after the show. We'll have all the postgame press conferences for you. You can follow Rocky on Twitter at Rocky Magagna. You can follow our guy Kramer at Kramer Talks. I'm Steven Cerda. That's where you can find me. Make sure you're locked into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network tomorrow morning for a new edition of the Arrowhead Drive. We'll talk to you guys then. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. The Kansas City Chiefs win 30-29 to on Monday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders. After the game, we heard from head coach Andy Reid, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, tight end Travis Kelsey, safety Justin Reid, and wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We'll go in that order, starting with Andy Reid.
4: Bolton was off the charts um, with with uh, his tackling. I mean, it's going to be hard to find another guy in the league that you know, the tackle's better than Bolton. I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, and then Harris stepping at the linebacker spot. I mean, I can keep going with that, but offensively, McColl um, just had some tough yards for us, man. Stepped up. They were, they were trying to take Kels out of the game. Um, I mean, he had 25 yards and four touchdowns. So I mean, that's a pretty good day, but kind of a weird number. Uh, Marquez had some big plays for us. Juju Sky stepped up at the end, had some big catch and runs for us. El um, Grady, Grady stepping in um, and, and doing a nice job <coughs> at the guard spot for us. So, all in all, it was just uh, it, you know it was a, probably a tale of halves. We, we played a lot better the second half, or at least the second part of the second quarter there, and then through the second half than we did uh, the first half. So, but nice. It was a nice win to get for sure. So can you
5: talked about that. I'm sorry. Can You talk about that. What you saw when Chris Jones hit the quarterback.
4: Um, yeah, well I mean I I thought he had the ball, so I mean that's what I thought. But I they get that's their job, so they they do that. And it seemed like obviously you don't want that play to go that way, but it also seemed like it could take a little, a little bit of
6: fire for the energy but go the the team
4: and do you see it that way in hindsight? That, that, that... Yeah, I mean listen, uh it's an emotional game. So what I thought wasn't I guess wasn't right so um but it is what it is. Did you, did
6: you feel that that sense though I don't or did you feel locked over the half time like there's some kind of energy coming out of that. Yeah, I mean
4: the guys the guys felt the same way I did, so yeah. I I think it gave us a little juice probably. What was
6: your message to the team
4: coming into the half Yeah, keep fighting. Keep fighting. We were we we're getting that momentum, going the right direction and, and battle. We we were getting the ball the second half, uh uh, make sure the offense does a good job and then defensively just keep after him man just keep attacking and, and fighting was the main thing just it, you know that's uh that was important
6: you say?
4: yeah the first drive i thought was good they you know they were playing some man coverage on us um the run game was just kind of going okay that first half or at least a, uh first quarter and part of the second quarter but we felt like we could Bear down with the run a little bit more and um, get some positive yards there. So we started with that and then kind of built in some of our play pass and a uh, quick game off of that. Had some big plays. Marquez had a couple nice, nice grabs. At point,
6: did you say, you know, Jerick has it with what's into what
4: he's doing um, Yes. Well, I mean, he, he was doing well. I, I mentioned to Dan that it's a that veteran, you know, that veteran – uh leadership that he brings to the table and also being patient so he just he kind of pumped the brakes and uh waited till the line got taken took care of business and then he hit it from there so he showed great patience there
6: um
4: well i thought it was the right thing to do i would like to have completed it but um we were we didn't get that done i thought it was important points were important period but i thought going for two was important yeah, i Yeah, trusting the defense there, so, as long as you've been
6: there, I don't
5: believe I've seen
4: you as maybe annoyed on the sideline following Christian on You guys are trying to get me fined. I'm not going to bite. I'm just, not, I'm not going there. I mean, I can't, I can't, uh, I got it off my chest, and he, he got it off his chest, so he, he he made the call he made and I got what I needed said.
5: With with what happened with the great Jarrett playing Brady yesterday and all of the reaction we assumed the two way hit for two weeks before. How
4: what concerns do you have about the way buffering the passer is being Yeah, listen, I I'm into the league. I'm on a couple committees there and I so I, I I understand protecting the quarterback. That's important. It is important. There's a fine line. I mean, we, we've just got to sort that out. But these guys, I mean, you know, they work their butt off to do a good job for us out here. And, um, you know, and the league spends time doing it and looking at it. And so, but, you know, there, sometimes there's a point where uh, you got to let guys play. And we've just got to find where that happy medium is. A couple more. Point of
5: clarification. You seem to suggest that you were told that it would not have been the passer had Chris Jones taken the ball from him. I said that, that
4: no, it was the weight that he put on the quarterback. You know that he slammed, slammed his weight on the quarterback's body. Yeah, no, he. he yeah, you know, they work so well together, and um, how they play off of each other, I think, is big. They, it, that doesn't always happen in this league, where you find a guy that you can that you have that mojo with, there or whatever you want to term it. So, All right. Thank you.
5: Thank
4: you. okay.
7: I don't think I realized until they played him like the, the screen. They played like that Kelsey video. Um, but, yeah, I, I knew when he caught the fourth one that it was the fourth one. I didn't realize he had like seven catches, four touchdowns. Um, but they did. They, they had a good game plan of kind of that old New England, hit him off the line of scrimmage, um, double cover him, and stuff like that. Um, and I thought the other guys responded and made some big plays happen, and that's what we needed to see out of our offense. <clears throat> Yeah, I think uh, there was anger of just kind of how we had played up until that point. I mean, I feel like they were the physical team; they brought the, the fight to us. Um, but I, I thought uh, our guys responded, and I was just talking with guys in the locker room. It was like sometimes these games are the ones that build the true character of the team. I mean, whenever you don't have, you to come out and they're kind of like throw that first punch and hit you, and how you how you respond and and go back and fight. Um, that that was good to see from this team. Yeah, I mean, we have three running backs, I mean, really four, uh, that can go out there and make, make plays happen. And um, I think you see every week it's kind of someone different. And uh, Jets, a guy that's, I mean, he's been here. He has that attitude. He'll come down and pass block, run, whatever you want him to do, catch the ball in the backfield. Um, and he kind of set it, set it off where they got the sack and kind of back this up again. And to run the ball, break tackles, carry people, it kind of got the momentum kind of going back in our favor to say, hey, we got we to gotta fight if we want to win this game. I thought they just were more physical than we were. At the end of the day, they came out and they they rushed the passer well. Um, they ran the ball well. Then that that those two things are how physical you are. And I I, I kind of went up to the line. I said, "Hey, we're going to win or lose this game uh, because of y'all." And they they responded. They went out there and blocked blocked their tail off the entire second half, um, and gave me time to make those throws down the field. Did you give
5: me
7: the first no, on the first one, um, it was actually Juju and. We, how the play turned out, Marquez kind of got pushed down a little bit, so I was going to throw the juju. I don't know if that was the first one. I was going to throw the juju, and then I end up hitting him over the top in the back end line of the end zone. And then the one the shallow cross he catches, I mean, that's just that was like a possession throw to make it third and manageable at the goal, and he takes it all the way back across the field. So sometimes he's the main guy, and sometimes I just go through my reads, and he, he gets himself open. After
6: giving the attention.
7: No, I mean that was big time. I mean uh, we needed it. We needed guys like McCole, Marquez, Sky, Juju. We need those guys to step up in different games and make big plays. And today it was Marquez that was the big guy that made a lot of big plays happen. Um, and uh, that's stuff that we're going to need because I mean obviously people know we're going to throw Travis the ball, so they're going to in certain situations they're going to double team him. Um, and if we can show we can win with other guys, uh, that'll that'll kind of take that away, and then we can open up the entire offense. And- I
5: figure, uh, much different- That, what does that do for you the next time you guys get in a deficit
7: situation like this yeah to me to me it helps um because you just don't know how guys are going to respond i mean we have a lot we have a lot of the same players that have been in some deficit games but at the same time we have a lot of new guys as well um and so for guys to respond and just to keep battling um, no matter we're down 17 points um, and, and show that we can fight back from anything, um, that's what you want to see out of any great football team. Yeah. Back
5: here. Uh, the, the cameras on Funny Night Football caught you kind of yelling out there towards the field. You talked to the summer about how you like getting fired up, you like getting involved.
7: Yeah, no, I, I like to show my emotion when I play. Uh, that's kind of who I am. Um, and, I mean, I thought we needed it at that time, the everybody to go out there and, and bring the fight back to them. Um, and I think you saw that guys did that, and that's how we that's why won the football game. Yeah. Well, I mean oh, so. yeah. me mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, Pat,
6: what was your reaction to the, to the roughing call by Jones? Because it seemed like the defenders were really angry about that, but, you know, as a quarterback, you saw the, that you get to take advantage of. If it does happen in your sense. I guess. How did you react to that?
7: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest call in the world, but at, I mean, at the same time, I mean, it's hard, hard job they have as referee. Um, but obviously, I, I mean, whenever the ball comes out and, and that guy, I mean, he's going to try to get off of him, but he kind of, they're both fighting for the ball at the same time. Um, it's tough, but uh, you have to find a way to bounce back, and we did. Ed, the, uh, I got you. That call that,
5: that, that could have cost you guys anything. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what happened with Greg Jarrett, back mm-hmm. As a, you're a quarterback, but you're also a football player. Yeah. Uh, how, how, what's your point of view on the
7: roughing the past or in general? How it's been issued? Right yeah, I mean it's it's something where I mean obviously you want to protect the players and everything like that in all aspects of the game, but at the same time there, there comes like a common sense uh, factor where guys are trying to play football uh, and try to win football games, um, and so whenever it's blatant and they do something dirty to try to hurt someone, you want to m- make sure that's called. Um, but at the same time, you don't want it to affect the football game and change the outcome. And uh, I'm sure the, the rest of they watch tape and they do this. They work and practice just like we do, so they'll go back and work on it and, and make the right corrections. Wow. Yeah, it just comes with a lot of reps, um, knowing that he's going to be ready for the ball right when he comes out of that break um, and just giving him a chance. And uh, that's stuff that I'm continuing to work with other guys, the, the corner route that through the juju down at the red zone, the same thing. It's like you just put in the spot. He knows he's going to be there um, and make stuff happen. So that just comes with reps, and I'm sure those other guys will get involved as well the same way.
0: Uh, coach is obviously angry about that roughing the passer call. You ever seen him that angry? Out the, i mean we don't get to see him all the time like yeah you. i mean he's i
7: seen him that angry but not not about a call on the football field but uh it's uh it's uh if coach is pretty animated he's a pretty even killed guy so he must uh, not agree with it but uh it's uh like i said it's a hard job It's hard for me to to be out there be kind of criticizing it after the fact but uh glad we won the football game and it's not as big a deal as it could be you all down
5: 17 and you were at home but at the what type of- What does a game like, especially going to the
7: the way you do, where off Yeah, it's, it's the last two weeks, I mean, you've seen how the guys responded after a hard loss in Indianapolis. The guys responded against a great Bucks, Bucks team, a great Bucks defense, and, uh, I mean, the goat at quarterback. And then you go into another game where you could have a letdown with a big game coming the next week. And a division opponent getting down 17-0, you guys could have kind of folded and, and quit. The guys responded. They came back We won a game. And now we'll have another test this next week. So I'm, I'm excited. I mean, we had a hard schedule, and it's going to build that, that grit and that toughness that I think we'll need as we get to the later part of the season. No, it wasn't about me going for it. Um, I, we, I literally just asked Tobe, I said, uh, does, can he kick a 59-yard field goal? It's a new kicker, so you don't know. That. Said, uh, no or not. And so if it's Harrison, I'm probably just like go out there and kick it. Um, and so once we called a timeout and discussed it, Tobe said, I have confidence he can make it. And the kid went out there and kicked it. So, I mean, uh, it's uh, you, you, you trust in your coaches, and they, they decided to go with the field goal, and we, we executed and ended up winning us the football game. A combination of both. I mean, fire at the team, fire at myself. Um, I feel like I didn't play great in the first half, and that kind of, sometimes you have to kind of create your own energy, um, and I, and I kind of did that, and I mean, I, I think Crosby's a hell of a player, so I have a lot of respect for him, but uh, sometimes you kind of use those things to kind of motivate yourself. That was like in the first, right, the second quarter. I mean, I think I was after the Chandler-Jones kind of got around me, and I just challenged them. I was like, "Hey, we're gonna win or lose this because of y'all." I mean, they're playing man coverage. We have to you know, attack downfield, but you're gonna have to protect. Um, and they responded. You, you saw from like the end of the second quarter on. I mean, those guys kind of held those guys at bay. And those are some great pass rushers. So you like to see that out of a, a veteran offensive line, now. I was Yeah, I think we just took, we went back to, to the plays that were going to have success. I mean, we had a game plan in um, for certain defenses and they came out with different ones. Um, and so that's like that old New England way. We're going to Patrick Graham's from New England and he always throws you a different pitch. It's never going to be exactly what you see. Um, but we've played those guys a lot now. So we understand and it, it's cool to see because we had, I mean, we were running plays that we necessarily didn't really run at practice. And we went back into the, tool, the toolbox and, and the guys knew how to do it. And with a lot of new receivers, that can be kind of testy sometimes. And so... Uh, I was proud of those guys and how they responded and made plays happen in the second half.
5: It's
2: Raiders Chiefs, baby. It's going to bring it out of you, man. Especially, um, you know, we started off a little slow, um, had some calls not go our way, and uh, got not only us fired up, but that entire stadium fired up. And uh, Arrowhead had our back, so we, uh, we we just rallied together and really uh, really fought through that one. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm. I'm always trying to be fired up, trying to bring bring the energy as a, as a leader on the team. Um, but uh, to get that energy and focus going in the right direction, you know, that's the biggest thing, and that's where we lean on Coach Reed, Coach Bienamy, our offensive staff, well at least on the offensive side of the ball. To uh, you know, keep it composed, don't let it get too emotional, and uh, just play with a lot of passion for the guy next
6: year. Well,
2: Um I've never tried to calm that guy down. Once 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 the big red gets fired up, baby, we're rolling. I promise you that.
6: You ever, you ever yes. seen him that
2: man? A few times.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: A few times. Maybe not for the right reasons, but
6: you've never had four touchdowns uh in the game. And I know that you big team guy, but at what point did
2: maybe you start to realize like this is be one of the more special nights you might be Um I'm not even thinking about it like that man it was a fun game to see everybody rally together like that being down what was it 17 i think um nobody no nobody cracked nobody you know you didn't see doubt in anybody's eyes all it did was just you know um almost build the beast you know made us made us kind of uh, rally together cir- circle the wagons in a, in a way and just uh, and fight for each other and uh, when you see that out of us man it's um we know we can play some good football when, when we're, when we have that kind of mentality.
5: Uh, so you teams that come back in deficits in the previous years, this was the first time in this group. Mm-hmm. wondering how
6: this group would do in kind of situation?
2: <clears throat> We got a lot of hard workers, man. And and on top of that, we got a veteran offensive line. We got a, a veteran quarterback, the best one in the biz. And um, a lot of, a lot of receivers that have been in tough positions before. Marquez had an unbelievable game. Uh, Can't say enough about his work ethic and and what he's brought uh, to this team, both as a mentality and and, and just as a veteran leader. Um, And then you see Juju making big plays downfield. McColl, obviously a staple for the past couple years for us, has been in those adverse situations, fought through, found ways to win, found ways to have success. Um, It never once, uh, doubt never seeped in with this group. And it's because we got a lot of veteran guys that uh that know when the when when times get tough we just rally and uh and stick together.
6: You talk about the the rallying and stick together. Uh when things aren't going right, who has the main voice
2: in that or is it just a collective? It's a collective. It's a collective group. Um you saw some passion out of one five today. Um that got me going even more than I already was fired up. Uh from there, uh Orlando Brown was an unbelievable, you know. Unbelievable vet to have on that offensive line. Can't say enough about what his mentality is. Um, and then it just all five of them today rallied together and found a way to stop the pass rush, uh, so the pack can get the ball downfield. <laughs> Smart guy, one of the biggest guys out there to enforce his will. When when he starts talking, everybody listens. He's had a bunch of success in this this league and a bunch of success as a football player. Uh, we know the family tree and it's just it's it's so much fun to play with a guy like that, knowing that, you know, when times do get rough, we got somebody on the O line, a dog on the O line that's gonna be able to, to rally the group. And um sure enough, all all five of them up front battled their tails off and we found a way to get a dub for sure. Yeah, um I feel like uh once you get in the red zone the windows get tighter, you gotta play more physical, you gotta you know, there's just it's there's just a the mentality that you have to bring. And um we saw the past couple couple weeks, especially last week everyone loved to talk about how Pat is, you know, the magic Mahomes that he is. The play's never dead, man. And um you'll you'll forever see us working, uh until that, that whistle blows or until, you know, the play's dead and it's it's just a mentality that we have, um, and um, I know that uh, as creative as he is, he's going to find a way to get get the guy, get anybody, the ball in the right position. And sure enough, um, I caught my momentum going across field, knowing that everybody uh, was flowing to the uh, to the side that I had caught the ball on, um, and then from there, I got a huge block by McCole, and um, and sure enough, just made uh, made a couple guys miss to be able to get in there. Last
6: four, I suppose McCole's going
3: to have to be a pancake. I don't
6: grade
2: that out. They listen, that's. like a pancake to me from from my angle
3: when you you're talking about orlando and and i think wiley too when things were looking tough early for them how hard is it for tackles in particular to switch that momentum against good pass rushers like that and to to turn the tables
2: i mean both our tackles are pros both of them have a dog mentality it's not going to it's going to take more than just one sack to be able to get them off their game or to be able to get in their head um, obviously, there's things we can do offensively that can slow that down with a, a great run game. Um, I know a lot of the a lot of what uh, the Raiders were trying to do was slow me down at the line of scrimmage. They were using their best pass rushers to try and uh, hit me before the ball or before I even got in the route. Um, using that to our advantage, things like that. It's just um, <clears throat> I think that uh, over the course of a game, you start to. You, you start to get comfortable against the guys you were playing against you know you can, and uh, sh- hats off to the raiders they came out with a lot of energy with a lot of fight and um you know like they maintained that throughout the throughout the game but i just feel like you know when we're uh, playing playing our tails off playing for each other like you saw it's uh it's going to be a four quarter dog fight and uh, we're fortunate enough to come out with a win tonight and As you
5: talked about that and, and as you mentioned you all were down to you know, with Christian. what's the message that you
2: one play at a time. One play at a time. Rally together and uh, and find a way. Um, and he, he knew he he didn't have to say too much. There were a lot of guys. He felt the. I think everybody kind of felt the uh, the disappointment almost. And, and that fired us up to, to 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 go out there in the second half and just do finish how we finished the uh, the first half. If that makes sense.
6: Travis, um earlier in your career I'm sure it was good uh good to look for a double team, especially one of these
8: team like the weekend. Going the defensive principles that are being applied today, just how much do you enjoy that challenge of maybe as you said earlier, sort of flipping using these double teams to the
2: office? I love it. I love it. Bring it, man. Bring it. I'm gonna make it so you gotta bring a triple team. That's my mentality. I, I still try and find ways to get open. Um I still got to be able to you know, be there for the quarterback on time, um, and I take pride in even if they're trying to hit me at the line of scrimmage, be able to get through that and still get in the route and still be on time, and it's just uh, it's a mentality, man, that never never be stopped. It, it seems like a lot of work, but how much of it is a, a joy when you a work and kind of like or a few or sky makes a Oh man, it's, it gets me fired up. Gets me fired up, because then I can talk. Then I can talk smack to the talk smack <laughs> to the guys to the two that are guarding me saying, you know, you might want to go to your defensive coordinator and uh, switch it up here, bud. <laughs> last one.
5: Uh,
6: you've got a lot of records, Travis, and a lot of the short lists, but four touchdowns there's tight end don't have four three others at the time. You guys like Mike 50 so how special does it feel to
2: be in it? I mean um, kinda piggybacking off of what I said last week when I uh, when I went up to number five on the the yards list it's i've been so fortunate to be here and and, and reap the benefits of coach Reed, these this offensive staff my tight end coach tom melvin um, and then obviously great players like a patrick mahomes or a alex smith or i got to see jamal charles earlier today it's just you know i've been so fortunate to be here and um i think it's a, it's a mentality to to never let a day stop never let a day you know or never let a day slip by that you're not working your tail off for the guys around you. Um, and it's, uh, it, in my mind, it's uh, I'm, I'm gonna have that mentality and, until I hang these things up. And you know, wherever I land on all these lists that you guys keep bringing up, um, that'll be, it be, it's pretty cool to just be in, in talks with them. Alright, thank, 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 thank,
6: thank, thank you. Have a good one, This is your first time with Chiefs.
3: Yeah, uh, definitely lived up to the rivalry that I've been hearing about all week. I mean, give credit to them, they came in and played a tough game. It was very physical. Um, definitely wasn't pretty, but all W's count the same way. Um, so, found a way to stick it out and get the win. There were
5: some big plays of course. You got a couple big hits, I guess back-to-back with Josh
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the rivalry right there. I mean, it was coming downhill. Um, I think he did a great job today. He ran the ball really hard. Um, You know, in the first half, we kind of got on the heels a little bit. um, But in the second half, we really found a way to string together, hold them to nine points, and um, give our offense a chance to go out and put some points on the board and then finish out the game. So, you know, hard work, staying together, a positive attitude, Um, give credit to the culture of this team that we didn't start falling apart on each other when things didn't look ugly, found a way to battle through adversity and come out on top yeah you know I I, like I understand what the officials are trying to get do make the game a safer game for the quarterbacks I think that that was just a unfortunate situation because the ball came out it was a fumble um and then Chris was going for the ball and he recovered it you know what I mean it's just inadvertent that he ended up landing on the guy and I didn't agree with the penalty, um, but, you know, we don't control how the game is officiated. We only control how we play. So we had to come out the next um, the next play and just keep battling. Does
6: it feel like it was a spark a
3: little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it energized the atmosphere. I think it energized the team that we got one took from us. Um, and then at that point, you just got to band together and find a way. Yeah, um, shoot, man, it's a good thing for us. Um, I, I, when I saw the play on the field, I thought it was incomplete. When they called it complete, I thought it was just swinging the same way a couple of other calls are going on the field. But um, they ended up reviewing it, made the right decision, brought it back, um, ended up putting the pressure on the fourth down play. Nick ended up getting through and putting pressure on Derek Carr, um, making him get the ball out Order and he came out with a win. So um, very tough game. By all means, wasn't pretty, um, but still got it done. Yeah, just keep sticking to it. You know, a lot of the mistakes early in the game was more on us than it was on them. You know what I mean? It's us coming out and not executing the way that we're capable of, not playing up to our standards. So once we regrouped, Um, Got our heads on straight and started battling a little bit tougher. We made the game a lot more competitive. Yeah, I thought it was a little different. I know 83 went out the game early. I'm not sure what ended up happening with them. Um, But they definitely wanted to establish the run. Um, They wanted to make it a point running behind 28. Um, And, you know, it took us a second to adjust to that. But then we ended up coming around and switching up our play calling in order to combat it.
6: Last two, Todd, and, um, Justin, two weeks ago, you guys had a chance to finish off the game in Indianapolis and so we get it done. So what does it say about this defense and how it feels today to be in
3: the same position to get it done? Yeah. Um, you know, as the course of the season goes on, you just got to keep moving in the upward direction. So we didn't finish the game in Indianapolis. We are able to finish this one out. Um, we can come out next week. Got a big challenge in front of us with the Buffalo Bills. Um, definitely got to start faster than we did today. Um don't want to peak too soon, but as long as we keep moving in the right direction, I think we're gonna to head to places that we're ready to go. What
6: was the temperament of the team the moment you guys have
5: Yeah,
3: so um, we take it back to training camp. Training camp um, we made a statement on the defensive side of the ball that we wanted to be an attitude defense and when yeah. opportunity fell in our lap to finish a game, um, on a defensive side, um, we wanted to to do that we didn't want to always have to rely on offense we wanted to come out as a defense to be strong be physical and finish out games too so um we did it today um but we're gonna to have to do it next week too right, thank you. thanks
8: hello everyone don't say my name wrong <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously um, it was it was good to go out and get this win on my birthday. So you know, <laughs> um, throw that in there. Uh, but no, nah, it was uh, it was good um, being able to you know bounce back after being down 17-0 to a good football team. And you know, no matter what their record says, you know they're they're a good football team and you know they're our rivals. So they came in they're you know, ready to play and we were able to you know, bounce back and get through that. It seems like
6: the success with home has started a little bit last week and kind of hit you tonight. What do you think as led um, it's not
8: really a breakthrough. Um, it's just, um, you know, just opportunities, you know. And uh, I think that we're, we're an offense that anyone could be in that position any week. And so, you know, sometimes it's going to be me. Sometimes it's going to be another guy. Um, you know, I think that's the the beauty of, of what we do. And, um, you know, I, I think it's great that it's not just going to be one guy, you know, every week. And I think that's going to be able to, you know, have our success be, you know, really good down the road. More me in that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Kelsey is uh, the best tight end in, in the history of football. You know, so he's going to demand that. You know, you no know, week in and week out. Uh, you know, and somehow he still ends up with four touchdowns. Um, but you know, uh, uh, we have a guy like that. Um, you you honor those things, and you know, you, you take advantage when you know, they start to put two or three guys. You know, over his, his side of the field, and then you take advantage of the, the one-on-ones that you get. different does it feel when every guy in the offense sort of has that part on a 17 point Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the, the beauty of it. Um, like I said, I said earlier, you can't just keying on, you know, one or two guys. Um, you have to respect that anyone can get the ball at any given time, and um, it, it makes our offense, you know, balanced, and we're able to do whatever we want to do at times. I know, I know
5: this is probably different for you, because last year, you were with the Packers, along with the right seen them on the other side, mm-hmm. and also I know You've been in the Green Bay Chicago. What's this
8: Chiefs, Raiders, yeah I mean it was a completely different uh, atmosphere um, obviously when I was in Green Bay we beat the, the Bears every time we played them you know so it wasn't really a much of a robbery, you know to, to our side of it um, but but here you know the atmosphere the energy was just completely different um, you know and I loved it you know and I'm, I'm excited to go and and beat them up beat them up in their on uh, hometown as well
5: what was you
8: the- the oh man that's that's my that's, that's big bro I man we talk all the time um you know we didn't get to talk after the game because he's a true competitor and he kind of got in and out um soon as the game's over with but you know we'll, we'll talk you know every day pretty much um that's like family you know i credit to you know him for places that I am now um he taught me a lot in my four years in Green Bay you know I'll forever cherish him for that
3: when uh, when y'all were down early what was the attitude on the sideline? What kind of Motivational things happened.
6: Anything that you can remember that kind of helped spark y'all?
8: No, nah, honestly, it was you no know, different. I mean, um, we knew we were going to win the game, um, especially on our side of the ball. We were going to be able to figure it out. I guess they jumped out to our early lead, you know, did some things well on on defense, um, but there was no fear in our heart. And there was no doubt that we weren't going to be able to score points. Um, we got some of the the best guys, and we got some Hall of Famers on that side of the ball too. So we, we were okay. Last one.
6: time, uh, Matthew Wright in. The- the second quarter there you know with that 59 yard field goal, what did that do for you guys emotionally going to the locker room and did you guys even realize that was I guess probably didn't realize that was a franchise record <clears throat> for
8: the- I mean we didn't realize but we knew how long it was because he was standing on the 50 yard line when he kicked it so um you know it was it was great to see um obviously he's been here you know a week being able to come in and and kick for us and you know get us those points that we needed because obviously we needed every single point to win this game um, and, you know, we counted on him to, to get it done, and we trusted him to make a 60-yarder, and he delivered. All right.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Thank you, Thank you.